Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallant. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. Thanks for being with us because today we're talking about Black Adam. This I feel like we've been hearing about this forever. It is the convergence of two very powerful forces in Hollywood, one being Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and him starring in a DC entry, the 11th supposed entry in the DCEU. If you ask me to list those films, I might be able to do it out of order, but got to be honest, haven't been paying that close of attention. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Of course, first is our weekly watch list. So Matt, why don't you tell us what you've been watching this week? I've uh, I've been watching quite a few things this week. I watched a horror classic that I had never seen, Suspiria. The original from, was it 1978? I think so. It's a very beautiful looking movie. Very well shot. The score is fantastic. I I really just kind of lost myself while I was watching this movie. It went by very quickly. I couldn't recommend it enough. The, the blood and the gore effects were pretty good. The story was intriguing. And then back to back with that, I will talk about how I watched Marcel the Shell with Shoes on again. Because my... For my 4K Blu-ray edition came in the mail, and it was nice to revisit that movie. It's just the, one of the most delightful things from this year. And your Marcel figure has not, still not arrived in the mail. No, it has not yet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced. It's been it's, like five months. There, I'm convinced that it's not coming, and they're just gonna send me like an NFT instead. <laughs> like they might as well just take my money and send me an NFT. Um, but Marcel is great. Jenny Slate is just so charming as the voice of Marcel. Dean Fleischer Camp does a great job as himself. He was great as the documentarian who was trying to help Marcel find his family. I also watched 1987's Blood Rage, which is a really old, really low-budget slasher movie from the 80s. It's so... The writing is beyond goofy and silly, but considering the type of production, the gore effects were pretty good, so that's fun. It's on Tubi, so if you're looking for something fun and spooky to watch on Tubi... I would recommend that. What is that one about? What goes on in Blood Rage? It's about twin brothers who... One brother frames the other brother for murder when they're kids. It revisits the framed brother getting out of the asylum that he was put in and coming back for revenge against the brother who framed him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a good Um, setup. We're in peak, like, B-movie territory here. So if you're a fan of, like, good, bad movies, this one's pretty fun. I also gave Barbarian another chance, now that it hit streaming on HBO Max. My opinion of it really hasn't changed since we talked about it a month ago. But since seeing more horror movies from this year since we talked about it, I will say it's... Holding up pretty well, comparatively speaking. Hmm. And I will say that it, it's pretty good for what it is. Did you respond better to the more comedic stuff this time? I think I did because I was expecting it. Same with Halloween Kills when I went back to it. Like when I was expecting it to be goofy and kind of dumb, I was able to wrap my head around it and get a little more enjoyment out the second time. Shout out to Second Watches. Tyler, what do you got? Uh, so, I didn't watch the whole movie again, but I, just because we brought it up, I also saw the scene again in Barbarian where he has the tape measure, and I appreciate the comedicness of it. <laughs> that was a good bit. Yeah. I liked <laughs> At the time, I thought it was killing the tone, but you know what? I appreciate that bit. They released a deleted scene that I watched today from it. It With was basically... The... The woman coming in, yeah, like when he was picking up the keys, yeah, I watched that too. Yeah, and, and the director was like, oh, you know, it sucked to have to cut it because it really, you know, it dragged out the movie and what, and you know, 
made, when I made it too long, I'm like, ah, you, you probably could have left that in at this point. It was still it pretty... was like it was like 30 seconds of yeah. extra footage. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it would have mattered. <laughs> I thought that was an odd comment too, because I'm like, it's not a long scene. It's just added on to a scene that's already there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I've been mostly watching some Henry Selick stuff to catch up for our next episode. I watched Woo-woo! a couple movies. I watched Coraline and James and the Giant Peach so far. I can't wait for Monkey Bone. That's coming up. You can wait for about Monkey those Bone. Next episode. Uh, it, but today, it, because of Mr. Matthew Perry <laughs> talking crap about Keanu Reeves, I decided to watch the original John Wick again. Which, one of my favorite action movies, I love this movie, I love this trilogy, but the first one's the most grounded of them, it's before they introduce all the weird backstory lore about his upbringing and stuff, and how you, the high table can't just take, like, money, they have to come up with, like, random items that you have to bring them, like a scavenger hunt, Uh, so it's just, like, straight action Easy revenge story. The story is not anything complex, but the action is so cool. Everything's trying to be this movie now. Like it was like the diehard of it's. It's the diehard of this generation, where every action movie is trying to replicate it, and it's just got the coolest, most realistic action that is in movies, and I love it so much. Very nice, excellent. Yeah, I. So four comes out next year, right? Correct in March. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, well, there's probably an episode on the horizon for that one. And we got Ballerina starring at Anna de Armas coming up. Woo! <laughs> Is that just in like pre-production or anything? Uh, they're or... supposed to have started filming this fall. I don't know if they've started yet, or um, okay, but that was the last update. A John hmm. Wick with, starring a uh, a future Academy Award winner? Sign me up. I don't know, Tyler. You've been burned <laughs> pretty recently, so... <laughs> You can't mess this up. Yeah. Well, I, Matt, I'm going to see your blood rage and raise you My Bloody Valentine from 1981. This is from right there in the golden age of slashers. This is about... So there's an accident in a small mining town in the mine that leads to brutal murders of a couple of people. 20 years later... The same town ignores the killer's warning to never host a Valentine's Day dance again, but they're doing it anyway, which leads to the killer in mining gear to return and to hack some young people up. This is directed by George Mayalka, uh, written by John Beard with a story by Stephen Miller. I really like this movie. I think it's one of the more effective slashers, especially from that age in that prime era. It uses its setting to great effect. The mysterious, the really dark, you know, soot minds create the feeling that a lot of movies, a lot of suspense movies are looking for, don't always achieve where the enemy really could be anywhere and the characters often don't know their way around. I mentioned on our Halloween episode that cool kills are not like my favorite part of slashers, which I know sounds stupid, but it's just not my favorite part. The attack scenes in this, really suspenseful, really creative. I liked it a lot. It has interesting character conflict beyond all the violence and the slashing. There is a love triangle that's quite complicated. Each of the characters kind of get their, their due as far as, you know, development and respect. Not that it's, you know, the most compelling drama ever but there is a really dramatically well done scene in the middle of the movie where a miner is cutting people's hearts out um so i i really liked it some of the acting moments are not great and i think there are a couple of missed opportunities as far as staging I, but like, i really really enjoyed it i would recommend it um i think i watched it on tubi i could be wrong about that um I'll double check on that. Apparently the MPAA requested cuts on each of the death scenes. So they just didn't like the entire concept of the movie, which I don't... When you get this kind of movie, I don't... Like, who's going in not expecting to see gnarly stuff? But I, what do I know? Don't don't try to think of any reason behind the decisions of the MPAA. Yeah. <laughs> at least... We're at least um, at least you weren't vomiting and passing out while you were watching it. Well, who says I wasn't? I didn't I, I say just, that I wasn't. I, I just, I, I don't know. I figured to be more forthcoming if you were, because that's like not something that happens every day. No, I don't know about Unless that. Unless you're seeing Terrifier too. Yeah, I've seen it every day <laughs> and be, continuously being shocked by the same scenes that I saw the day before. Uh, but my bloody Valentine, really impressive. You know the formula that it's working with. 
But like I said, good characters, good staging. It's scary throughout. Even like the ending, the ending is such like some slashes just fall so flat on their face with the ending. And there is like a pretty ridiculous twist in this. I won't say what it is. I'd like to talk about it at some point. But the very ending is like, oh, that, that's creepy. That's leaving me with a chill. So I recommend that. I started to watch the remake from like 2009 watched like the first 20 minutes or so i don't usually talk about movies that i didn't finish i think i'll finish this one but the first 20 minutes were like really horrific and bad um i don't always mind that in a slasher but i was like my lord this is a movie where you can perfect some things and it would make an excellent horror movie and they didn't do any of that so uh i got one more another scary movie a much different style this is the first vhs from 2012 oh i watched that too this week Oh, that's interesting. I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I'm very much new to this this franchise. I really like found footage. I really like anthology. So this was really up my alley. This is a found footage anthology. We get various stories of often like ordinary situations going wrong. Is directed by a lot of different people. Adam Wingard, Ty West. They did sections along with a lot of other people. It was produced at Bloody Disgusting. Uh, Matt, what did you think of it? Tell me what you thought of it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I am really glad to go back to this movie with a like a because I it was I saw it for the first time that this past week, and I'm yeah, glad to go back to it, knowing that many of these directors went on to do bigger and better things. Huh. Uh, I'm not saying that you know I don't mean that as a critique of this movie because I liked the pieces of it. But I, my biggest gripe with it is the fact that the found footage and shaky cam got very, very tiring by the end. But if you look at each of the segments and like individual pieces, I pretty much enjoyed all of it. Uh, you can see like flecks of some of the some of the director's future work in each segment that they did, particularly Ty West and Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette, who went on to do. Ready or Not, and Scream 5, among other things. I um, I, I, like, I, I liked it for the most part, but again, my biggest, the biggest drawback was the way that it was filmed. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I have mixed feelings on it. Overall, very positive. I was really entertained by it. In fact, like I was planning on stopping after one of the segments to like, go do something else and then come back. But I'm like, no, I'd really like to keep watching it, which I can't say for every movie. I like, there was inventiveness within the medium. I found most, if not all of the stories interesting. There were quite a few scary moments that really got me. There was something odd about it though. It got super duper heavy into toxic male behavior, like real scum of the earth stuff. So the frame story of this is that, these real just awful guys, this group of young males, are breaking into somebody's house looking for a certain videotape so that they can get paid by whoever they're getting paid by. And they can't quite find the right one, which leads to us watching all the different tapes. So, like, I like the frame. But, it, like, even within the separate stories that had nothing to do with the frame story, it's so heavy on how, like, awful a lot of young males and their behaviors are, it almost made me want to stop watching it in the beginning. Obviously, I, you know, made it through, but there's so much, like, issues of consent and filmmaking and, like, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, it's this is just, like, overbearing. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't belong in movies, but I was like, it just seems to permeate the whole thing you know, just this general, even beyond the awful stuff, just the general, like, douchebaggery was prevalent throughout the whole thing. It, it was kind of strange. You know, it, it was just a lot of it. Um, and I thought, like I said, not that that shouldn't be in movies, I thought the filmmaking was a bit indulgent with it, especially when it came to women's bodies. There were definitely moments where I'm like, uh, this, this just seems like a Girls Gone Wild video. And I don't know if there was a narrative purpose to it. I mean, my thoughts on that, I mean, pretty much everyone who was being a douchebag got what was coming to them. I don't think there was a, a segment where 
you know, it, it just reveled in it without being like, hey, this shit is wrong. Um, I think, I'm not saying that they didn't think it was wrong, but there were a certain couple of moments that I'm like, ah, oh, that didn't really need to be there. Also, I will point without saying what happens to the the web chat segment. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That one's a little bit different. And I'm like, I totally agree with you. I like, I do think the filmmakers were condemning that. But then it, you run into the horror issue of if you make your characters so unsympathetic, then you're just making a comeuppance movie where you're just waiting for bad people to get punished, which uh, like that kind of messes with the horror sometime. Um, I've gone on too long about about VHS, so my apologies. But I remember seeing this movie when it first came out, and like I barely remember any of it. I remember like one segment. And that's... <laughs> well, well, for for Mike, since you saw it about as recently as I did, what was your favorite segment out of there? Hmm, that's a good question. I and I know I just kind of went on a rant about what I didn't like about the movie. I really enjoyed the movie overall, and I thought most of the scenes had really inventive stuff. And you hit the nail on the head where you said pieces. I don't think any one segment is like, oh, this is a spectacular from start to finish. I liked the first three quarters of like the couple in the hotel room. That was really good. I like the lake where there's like the video monster. Yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, those two were probably my favorite. Um, The last one with the guys at like the Halloween party, I thought was like it was getting a little tiring. But then there was like a there was like a cool haunted house segment, so I was impressed by that. But the the first two I said were probably my favorite. What about you? I would say also the couple. um, I believe that was the Ty West one. It was. Uh, I liked that one uh, for what it. I also it's. It's an uncomfortable watch, but the very first one with the demon girl. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable Yeah, it's an uncomfortable watch, but I but I also really like that she did what she did to those guys cuz they more than deserved it. So as a come up in movie, I I could see that, but it is it that one is completely a come up in thing. Also like well, I don't I don't want to talk about it cuz I don't want to give it away. I just that that story structure i just feel like i've seen nine million times in horror yeah and so like i knew what was going on yeah i mean i knew it was gonna happen but i don't know i i thought it was cool, cool yeah, it was all right and then the last one with the haunted house that one was cool because i i've had nightmares as a kid of similar situations i don't know oh interesting exactly why but like i I had this nightmare one time as a kid where I like walked out into my kitchen and uh, <laughs> and it was just like this ritual happening, and then they mm. like saw me and that's all I remember. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but I know that's not the first time it's been done in horror, but that always kind of just freaks me out. No, I thought like the part where the house is becoming haunted was actually quite well done, and I I liked watching that. Yeah, the um, effects on that were surprisingly good for the medium. And I thought it kind of saved it because the first part of that, I'm like, okay, this is like, I feel like I'm just watching everything I just watched for the last 90 minutes. Um, also, I'm banning myself from saying the word interesting for the rest of the episode. So if you hear me say it, just call me out on it. You're, you're going to say this next one's interesting? Not Black Adam. <laughs> so I will say this about VHS, though. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. I think I'm going to watch the rest of the movies, right? There are five, because VHS 99 just came out, I think, on AMC+. Plus. I would like to watch all of these. I, I'd be interested in doing an episode on them at some point, talk about the different segments and all that stuff. So maybe maybe in the future we can do that. Uh, but for today, we're not talking about VHS. We are talking about Black Adam, just the long, long-awaited movie in the land of Kandak, yes, Kandak, Kandak, yeah. a slave is given almighty powers and then later awakened in the modern day where he has to decide if he will use his powers for revenge or righteous protection of innocence. This is directed by Yam Colette Serra, who has had quite a successful career. He did the remake of House of Wax. He did Orphan. He did The Shallows, like the Blake Lively shark attack movie. 
He's done a couple of the, I would say, later stage Liam Neeson action. And I, I, I kept thinking about this comparison. And maybe we can talk about it a little later with The Rock. But I feel like they're running kind of parallel paths. But So what I mean by that is Liam Neeson every year makes some action movie where he's playing the same guy or mostly the same guy, but he's just in a different setting, right? Next year, it's going to be him killing people in a library, right? And that's going to be the movie. In space. He hasn't done space yet. In space, right? Well, Tom Cruise is getting there first, but Liam Neeson will get there. I feel like The Rock has been doing a very similar thing, but there's something about The Rock's stardom, and this is not to take away from Liam Neeson, but there's something about The Rock's stardom that just makes each of his movies more of an event even if the movie really isn't that great, which they're often not. I, I disagree. What In what way? You're telling me Central Intelligence was an event? No, but, you know, he, he's in the franchise world, right? He's in Furious. He's in, uh, you know, San Andreas, Skyscraper. All, I'm saying those things are not, like, but, oh, Skyscraper, VOD. did anyone watch that? Did anyone, I'm not saying <laughs> Did anyone VOD. see San Andreas? <laughs> All right, fair enough, but I'm saying it's not like the sinking into VOD that Liam Neeson is kind of doing. Like when he was in Baywatch? No, Baywatch was awful. Matt, what did you say? I said, what about Rampage? Rampage was awful as well. (laughs) He's just in awful movies. He's in awful movies. Right, but (laughs) I'm going to stick with it. There's like an event to a new rock movie, even if it's not the biggest draw. One, he makes a lot of money, and two... You know, there's a certain coverage to it, right? Even like Jungle Cruise. Can't tell you how much Jungle Cruise marketing I saw in the lead up to that movie that, again, just landed like a dud. But I knew about it for such a long time. Well, to be fair, I feel like The Rock is in a better position in the court of public opinion these days as well. Oh, I don't mean to draw as a comparison. I just mean like a point of reference as two stars who just make a bunch of action movies and they're all just like mediocre or fine. But I don't know. There's just like he's such a charismatic presence that I feel like we think his career has been filled with better movies than it has been. But go ahead. I'm just curious. Does Is The Rock a box office draw? Like, what movies, besides this, this is a DC movie, so I don't attribute it all to The Rock, but, like, these movies he's been putting out can't be making a lot of money, like Skyscraper, San Andreas, Central Intelligence. Uh, the the biggest one is that stupid Ryan Reynolds one, and that's because Netflix was like, 60,000 billion people watched this in the first five seconds it was out. Um, <laughs> Central Intelligence made over $200 million. And okay. I, uh, guys, stop. I, I, I draw my Jumanji card and place it in attack position. Jumanji, fine. But also, movie going public, why are you going to see Central Intelligence? Stop. Movie Rampage, going public, you need to stop. I'm assuming this is international. Rampage, $430 million. About. That's absurd. I can't, I can go into the streets of New York and ask 5,000 people if they've seen it and they wouldn't even know what it is. DC League of Super Pets over two hundred million dollars. I mean, the guy pulls. <laughs> these are made up numbers. These are Netflix numbers. I, d- I doubt these movies are making. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw is like three quarters of a billion dollars. What? Who saw Hobbs and Shaw? <laughs> if you saw Hobbs and Shaw, what is wrong with you? All right, we'll we'll get to it. But Black Adam, directed by Yam Colette Sarah. Uh, he also made Jungle Cruise, so he was teaming up with The Rock there. Reportedly, again, this movie has been in development for so long, but reportedly Jordan Peele was offered to direct this. He did not want to. Uh, written by Adam Zykiel, Roy Haynes, Saurabh Nosrivana, or Nosrivani, excuse me, based on comic characters. Um, the kind of like messing with the story here has been has been fascinating. But, Matt, why don't you tell us what you thought of Black Adam? I thought it was fine. I thought everything about it was serviceable and fine. It kept my attention. Um, There were a couple things that I liked about it that I thought actually stood out. I thought I liked Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I liked 
Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. I thought they were both pretty good in, in their roles for what they were given. And the unique thing I'll say is that I do like they kind that they kind of had The Rock going against his normal typecasting in this, having him play more of like a a straight man, like a serious, like almost dry kind of persona, versus being like the funny guy, for lack of a better term. Except where he says, "I don't need a box for my lunch." <laughs> like, why, why did that have to stay in? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but I mean, it was fine. I, I, there wasn't anything I actively really disliked about it. I, I do think the marketing was a little overhyping for what it was. Like, the whole changing of the DC hierarchy was a bit much. But they say this in the movie over and over again. And I think it was a bit of a Freudian slip on behalf of Warner Brothers, where they say, a bad plan is better than no plan at all. And I'm pretty sure that's what this movie ultimately landed as for me, as something that's supposed to set up like this new era of the DCEU. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't know if I... I think I would have rather just watched no movie than this movie, but Tyler, please go ahead. So this movie is insane. It changes the hierarchy of the DCU. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, you brought it up. I had to throw it in there. Uh, you know, I find that funny that that's how they marketed it when, like, they seem to be almost ashamed of the DCEU because, like, they're getting away from it. And I guess they're kind of just trying to revamp it. But what even is the DCEU? Because now you've put a Batman movie out that's not attached to it. You, like, you're changing the actors. Two, two Batman-based movies. What's the other one? Joker, technically. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that counts, but sure. It's Batman-based. But, like, it's so odd to me, because the DCEU is a mess. What are you doing? Like, you're, you're, you've canceled a, a entire movie that you made in this universe, and then just scrapped it. You have an actor who's in Vermont getting arrested is one of your main characters. Like, why are you trying to do the DCEU now? Scrap everything and start new. <laughs> I feel like they did this just to bring in a spoiler, I won't say now, but I feel like this was all that was built up for. Who could that be? Yeah, who could that be? I mean, if you've heard anything about this movie, you know. But anyway, this get to getting onto the movie, it was fine matt you said it perfectly it was fine i expected to hate this movie it looks so stupid from the trailers and everything i love dc comics so i'm willing to take a bad movie if like oh these i like these characters black adam is a character i've never cared about i never cared about black adam so i'm like i have no interest in this whatever and it was good it was a kind of like a standard uh superhero origin story I, I think it was a little better than most of Marvel's Phase 4 movies, I'll give it that. But, like, it was just generic superhero movie that literally could have... They could have thrown everyone in there. And I feel like they hinged way too much of the marketing on, like, he's a hero, but he kills? <laughs> like, yeah. It's so, like, so ridiculous. But, you know what? It was... It's a decent, enjoyable thing. Like we've said, we talked about afterwards. It's a it's a TNT mid-afternoon movie that you kind of half pay attention to as you're doing things around the house. Yeah, I agree. It just plays it very safe with the superhero formula. Which I, I think is... It seems like it's translating well enough for it. I'm pretty sure they, they had to have broken their... Or, you know, made their budget back by now already but yeah and i'm kind of my my annoyance with the mcu a lot now is like i swear they're just hyping up cameos like they're like who's gonna appear in this one and like you, every time they announce a movie there's just rumors like this character is gonna appear in this and like i'm glad this one didn't it, it did to a point but not in the main movie so i'll give it that i'll give it credit for that for not forcing in he, people just to be like oh i know who that is all right, but Ruben Rabasa is going to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, so. See, that's a cameo I, I like. <laughs> I told you guys right before the movie. So I was not excited to see this movie at all. 
I had a bad feeling about it. But right before I told you guys, I'm like, I like to go into every movie with enthusiasm, hoping that it's good. Why would I want to have a bad time with the movies, right? I don't like this movie. It's not a good movie. I think it's less than fine. Like, it's not terrible. I think it's, like, less than fine. I think a lot of things about it are bad. Um, I don't, like, hate it, though. I was surprised. I feel like they set up some more dilemmas and complications. The script doesn't really support it. Could have been much better with a tighter screenplay that didn't include the phrase due process just thrown in about 97 million times with no context or meaning whatsoever. As a watching experience, found it to be a little dull, especially in the beginning. It's like very, it's like pretty poorly edited, I would say. Very messy. There are a few chuckles. I find most of the comedic timing kind of off. The writing isn't great. It gets better as it goes along. I was getting a little more into it as we got further into it. As it gets more morally complicated, we learn more about the characters. It does get not fascinating, but like, okay, I can see something here. People seem to be liking it. I'd say you're most likely to enjoy it if you're a rock fan or you're a committed superhero fan. But even then, The Rock is... How would you describe him in this movie? He's, like, trying to be so dry. And I found it at certain moments, it was, like, okay and it worked. And that at other moments, I'm like, this is just not a person in a movie right now. It was just strange. That's what I appreciated about it, is they at least took that swing. Kind of like a lot of the stuff with Halloween ends. What I don't think it necessarily landed perfectly or flawlessly but I appreciate them at least taking the swing because you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I, I just thought it like dragged on too long. Like it seemed like a bit that they sort of like moved on from and like, they didn't just give him any humanity whatsoever. Like this guy has a superhero, but he was a human. Like he knows how to be a human. Like I get, he wouldn't be like technologically advanced, but he still can understand human conventions. So I don't know why they, Played him as like a alien who's never seen Earth. <laughs> well, he also I hate to bring this lineup again. Actually, I don't. I love it. He knows what a lunch. He knows what lunch is. He knows what a lunchbox <laughs> is. Like like you said, I don't, it's so. It's just odd. That's one of the dry lines that I just don't get. Why that's in the movie at all? The kid's like, oh, I have my backpack and my lunchbox, and he's like smoldering. He's like. I don't need a box for my lunch. Like, was it supposed to be funny? I, I Like, I didn't get that at all. There's just a lot of weird things like that. Like, he literally glances, like, two seconds of a Clint Eastwood movie before, like, shooting a TV. And then he does a Western draw later, and I'm like, what? Why, why would he? No, like, what? Like, he didn't even, he didn't even watch it. Like, he literally blew up the TV as soon as it made noise, and then suddenly was emulating it. It's so bizarre. So I, I gotta ask you guys, is Black Adam overpowered? Are his powers specific enough or is he just like, I can do anything kind of hero? So I was kind of thinking about that as like a problem that like adapting comic book characters brings up. It's like you have these guys, like if you think about superheroes, superheroes power sounds like a kid making up a guy. Like he's like, he's bulletproof. Oh, and he's super fast. Oh, and he can fly. Oh, and he's got yeah. laser vision, and he's got cool breath. Like, at that point, like, y it's hard to make a compelling character out of that. Now you're reduced to, like, rocks have to stop him. Um, but not the rock. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I, believe, I believe you brought this up, Tyler, as well, but this is going to get interesting when he meets up with Shazam, and <laughs> yeah, it's the same like, word that... He uses the same word to activate his powers. Yeah, like, this movie brings up the ridiculousness of, like, the only way to beat him is to make him say a word. Like, these characters, some of them are overpowered, and it's hard to make them compelling at that point. I, I agree. I will say, I thought if the movie had been better scripted, it could have presented him... You know, he is this almighty being. Nobody can beat him, which I think does not make for interesting drama. Uh, I use the word, sorry. But if he can't be beaten, it's not a question of who can defeat him, but a question of how is he going to use his powers? How is his internal decision going to affect everyone around? 
I don't. It's tough to make that into two hours of an action movie. Uh, but they could have done it, and they do it like a little bit. I would say not super much because they have as a a counterpart a foil Aldous Hodge's Hawkman, who's part of the Justice Society. Let me just say first, Aldous Hodge, great actor, been in some cool stuff lately. He's in One Night in Miami. He was really good in this movie Clemency. He was in The Invisible Man. I thought this movie just does not serve him or his talents well at all. One, because, don't even ask me why, I don't know how to describe it, the hawk helmet looked ridiculous. Like, it just made him look bug-eyed. It, it was just like, we. it was weird, I don't know how to describe it, it. It was way too bulky on his head, like, it just looked odd. They could have streamlined it, and I think it would have looked a lot better. It was comic accurate, but sometimes the comics don't translate well to screen. Uh, So you could have changed that a bit. But I will say, Aldous Hodge, I found it interesting how much more I was rooting for Hawkman than I was Black Adam in all his fights. Like, I'm like, I like, I I think it was just, I mean, I don't think they gave him a lot to work with, but I think Aldous Hodge was just a much more enjoyable presence on screen than The Rock was. To the point where, like, anytime they got in fights, I'm like, ah, I don't like that that Black Adam's winning like i'd rather hawkman he's much more enjoyable hmm. and it wasn't like he was doing that much it was just the versus the dry terrible delivery of the rocks every day every line <laughs> well that's part of the problem is that they have him face up against black adam so much and they so the justice society is committed to giving criminals due process quote unquote Whatever that means in this universe, I don't know. But he shouts about due process a lot. So he doesn't want to kill criminals. Black Adam does. But then Hawkman will just become violent at a moment's notice. He's like, we don't like to be violent unless we have to be. It's like, <laughs> I don't, so are you violent or not? I know you can be both, but like, it just, he seemed to drop the veil really quickly. Yeah, I do agree. He's like, I'm not violent. I want criminals to have due process, but also I have this mace that I'm going <laughs> to use at any given point. But also, just randomly, just, just this, this is some DC lore. If you're not into this, skip this, but whatever. It's really weird that Amanda Waller is leading the Justice Society mm, yeah. when they're trying to give due process to criminals, when she literally sends criminals on suicide missions with Task Force S- X Suicide Squad, and she blows their heads up if they don't follow orders. Why was Amanda Waller leading this team? It didn't make any sense. Because they needed a Nick Fury type character to fill in this role that they, that they already had. For continuity's sake. I really like the part in this movie where they introduce Slipknot. And they're like, oh, this is Slipknot. <laughs> and he dies <laughs> seconds later. Uh, we get Pierce Bro- I thought Pierce Brosnan was probably maybe the best in the movie. Uh, I, th- I just thought he was committed. I would say him and Aldous Hodge I enjoyed the most. He's Dr. Fate. I like his costume. I'm not sure why the voice had to change when his head is inside the helmet. What does the voice change add to the character at all? Because the possession. He's possessed by, I can't think of the god off the top of my head. Oh, okay. But if you watch, see, I like this. I love Dr. Fate because if you watch um, Young Justice, Dr. Fate has a big um, arc in that that made him like a character I like in DC. And I think Pierce Brosnan was way more successful at the dry delivery than Dwayne Johnson was in any of the parts of this movie. Like his comedy was much better. I completely agree. I so two other characters part of the Justice Society, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, who I enjoyed, and Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher. These two, I felt like they just came in and out every once in a while. They didn't really feel vital to the story at all. I kept forgetting they were there. Exactly. They were just there to weirdly flirt with each other and then, like, for no reason. So what my hope was, because Adam Smasher's uncle, who was the previous Adam Smasher, right, is played by Henry Winkler. And what I was hoping for 
when Adam Smasher said, oh, I'm inheriting my uncle's powers, is that a leather jacket would fly into the ship. <laughs> he would put it on. He would get the power of the fonts, and he would go, hey. I'm going to jump this shark. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the movie had already jumped the shark before it began. But so I, they just, they felt like, okay, we're going to throw these in here. We need like some charm. We, you know, we need some funny and they just again good good performances by people that i enjoyed but it was just like oh yeah like everyone they were just so cyclone spinning and i'm like okay she's spinning cool speaking of the spinning every time she spun we had to see close-up shots just to be like just so you're aware the actress is there she's still there she's it's still that actress and this movie we relied on slow-mo way too much. This movie would have been like 40 minutes if they cut out all the slow motion. <laughs> like every action scene had to cut every three seconds into slow motion for no reason. Like it literally slowed down to show you that she's specifically missing Black Adam with things she's throwing at him. I'm like, I know, you already shown this. This is the third time you're doing this. It was it was a lot. It was like those two random moments of slow-mo in the last jedi where i just don't understand why that's in the movie at all um but so and then we have our our core human family we have sarah shahi as adriana thought she was fine um bodai sabongui is i'm on the sun i thought he was an enjoyable presence i thought he was way overwritten for a child like he was just not that children aren't eloquent but he was just like straight up reading out of a textbook sometimes and i'm like i don't know if a child would speak this way he was like a less effective version of oh i, I forgot his name now billy batson's foster brother that like was showing him how to be a superhero in shazam i forgot the kid's name oh i don't know the name either but it, I, I like that dynamic in shazam much better than i did yeah, I, I agree with that. And then Mohammed Amir is Kareem, the brother. I thought he was funny. I liked him. Again, he just kind of came in and out sometimes. He was uh, there literally just for comedic relief every once in a while. And I'm like, why does he need to be in this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, Lucian, that's the name of, of the stepbrother. No, different movie. <laughs> it's Milo, actually. It's Milo. <laughs> 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 every <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna move on so this is my issue with this movie it's like this just feels like the superhero version of death wish it's just like very it was like pro-violence it almost. was very pro-violence to the point where characters are like supporting his pro-violence and like using it as a shortcoming for the other heroes and i'm like that is an odd message for a superhero movie yeah it was very odd messaging i will agree it was like constantly proving that this unquestionably violent man black adam is superior to the people who want to keep people alive and can i can we throw a spoiler warning in here sure spoiler warning now spoiler warning I mean, you can guess what happens. This movie's predictable as hell. <laughs> uh, anyway. Hey, this is Ken M. From Padawan J. From the ODPH Podcast. Each week, we talk a parlay of topics. That's right. Whether it's sports, pro wrestling, movies, TV, comics, and more, we've got a take on it. And don't forget, ODPHpodcast.com for links for Patreon, Public, and the Parlay Points blogs, and much more. Thanks for listening to the ODPH Podcast. Now back to your regularly scheduled show. It's like the violent... You specifically have a scene where Black Adam is like, I'm a terrible person who murdered, like, just because. And I can't be a leader. And the character's like, because he murders, he makes a great hero. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? He it... just showed you how flawed he was by telling you how bad of a person he was. Thank you, Tyler, for becoming the first one to be shrill on this episode. That's I'm usually the, the shrill one. Uh, yeah, it's just like the movie, it like it kind of tries to do some things to undermine Black Adam's ultra-violent approach. But like ultimately, this movie is about beating people up. And I thought it was very... like Make your point first. 
I just want to say, because you mentioned that. So, I thought we were supposed to be on the side of the Justice Society in condemning yeah. the violent approach. And I thought that's where Black Hand was supposed to be headed. But then your your human character, that's your, like, avatar for the movie almost, the human, like, person you're following, condemns the heroes for not killing. And I'm just like, what a weird thing to, like, state. Like, she's like, you're you're not dark enough to handle bad guys. Like, what? What are you talking about? I get, yes, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, this is kind of like, it's diagnostic, I feel like, of what we want from these kinds of movies. Is that I feel like we can act sometimes. Well, ne- never mind. I, I don't want to make blanket statements, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about beating people up, right? I remember during our love and thunder episode that was one of my issues was that when thor empowers okay never mind uh spoilers if you don't want love and thunder but ultimately these movies are like about beating up bad guys i and you know sometimes there's other stuff but it's just kind of thrown aside it's like oh well you have to do that and you can have an interesting movie about like the necessity of violence in a cruel world this is not that movie. This movie is just like, hell yeah, we want it. We want him to kick their ass. Yeah, like that is the movie is just a cheering of his like murder, which is so weird. Because like when you think about DC in particular, their biggest character is Batman, who like makes a point of like I'll never take a life. That's not like that's putting you down with the criminals. And then this movie's like, ah, it's cool that he kills people. Every hero should kill people. Well, also, correct me if I'm wrong, but Black Adam was originally written as a straight villain to Shazam, right? Because he's like the I antithesis so. of That's my understanding. Shazam. But they needed to, well, they wanted to cast The Rock, and they realized that they want to give him a vessel as the star, so they gave him his own movie as this character. So I really feel like a lot of that is just them attempting to force him into this anti-hero role in order to justify giving The Rock a leading role in a movie for their franchise, even though it doesn't make sense. Okay, yeah. That's how I, I see what you're saying. interpret that. Yeah, it was, it was just disheartening because we get these like, oh, they need due process, but it just seemed like the movie was saying due process and diplomacy, those things are too complicated yeah, we're just gonna go with punching people, which is like, it's fun. I understand that that's what people go to a superhero movie to see, but like, don't start the discussion then if you're just gonna have such an underdeveloped exploration of it. That was my issue. Just have them beat people up, not like, yeah, kill people, and then have somebody question him. But the movie itself does not question him. If that yeah. makes sense. It does. And I think this movie brings up a, a similar thing to what I had with Morbius. And that I was confused with why you're setting up to, him up to be a villain when you've done so much to be like, he's a hero, actually. And now you're like, now he's going to kill Spider-Man. This movie's the same, because like if they're like making him face off against Shazam, it's very weird that you specifically had characters champion his actions at the end and treat him like a hero why are you then going to turn around and make him a villain? It doesn't make sense. You could have, you had your out to be like, your methods are too far and like, this is too much, but you specifically had your characters being like, no, his methods are great and they're what we need. And it's like, okay, now he's a hero still because like the people love him and are fine with all the bad things he's done. Well, again, I think it's because they are trying to make us a starring movie about a character that's not sympathetic in or on the page. So they're trying to pull too many strings to make him to justify his existence as like the star and like the hero of a a project. I agree. And I believe that's because of the rock. I believe black Adam was supposed to make his first appearance in Shazam and the rock fought against it in order to have his own, um, origin story, which was entirely just The Rock being like, I'm too good for this, I need my own movie. And DC being like, yeah, sure, buddy, okay, we'll do it, because you'll, you'll draw on people. 
But that's a dumb idea because now you've made him a sympathetic hero that we're supposed to be like, yeah, he's doing what it takes to be a hero that other heroes aren't doing. That's such an odd message. And then be like, okay, now he's going to face off against a lighthearted hero in Shazam. I was going to say, I was going to say allegedly only because we don't have exact quotes from The Rock that that's what happened. I don't want us I to believe, get in trouble. I believe that came out that Did he it? was the one that, that yeah, that, that right. killed that and said he wanted his own movie first. All right. Sources TBD, we'll say. Hmm. Have you guys seen Reno 911 Miami? So The Rock has a cameo in that. And something happens to The Rock's character like two seconds after he is introduced. If you know what I'm talking about, if you don't, just look up the YouTube clip. And I'm I'm curious, what you, just quick answer and then we'll move on. Do you think that The Rock would allow himself to appear on screen in that way at this current moment? No. Because yeah. wasn't it during like Fast and Furious that it ended up he had a clause where like he could only get punched like certain amount of times? Yes, yes, so, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, no way. Yeah, it, I find that whole thing fascinating. I almost said interesting again. So when they they the conflict is that they need him to say Shazam, and while I was in the because I was so entertained by this, what I was thinking during the movie is why don't they just play Hangman? Just play a round of Hangman with Black Adam. Do like S, H, blank, Z, blank, M. And he'll go, Shazam? And they'll go, yeah! And then he'll his powers will or, be gone. Or another variation of that. They can invite him to be on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> as long as it's not like that video where the the three contestants missed it like six times. It was yeah. only like one letter. Yeah, they just, they just need a Z. And they're like, yeah. C? I'd like to solve Pat. Yep. Shazoo? No. <laughs> Shabam. Shalom? <laughs> and then Pat Sajak has to, like, restrain his annoyance. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about as we were sitting in the theater. I, Like I mentioned, I thought throughout the entire beginning, the editing was so messy. I felt like I was just watching an extended trailer instead of a movie. And that goes into the first scene, like when Black Adam is first awakened. There's like, Tyler, you said it, really odd slow motion. He looked like, in the hood, he looked like Stallone at certain moments, which is like, I don't, it was just kind of strange. Paint It Black is playing over the whole thing. Again, there was like, oh, he's dodging this and he's grabbing this and he's throwing this and it's like, Okay, and that's the introduction to him. So it's like, where, like you guys mentioned, who is going to be fighting him now? And yeah, the answer is no one. It's 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 so stupid that they start him off with like blocking bullets and stuff. Like, yeah, why do I care? He's invincible. What? If, like, I don't care about these guys. These random guys that are trying to fight him with guns. We've shown they don't work. Also, when he's in the apartment building and the kid is talking to him, why why is he just like slowly descending in the middle of the staircase? <laughs> the stupidest shot. Why is yeah like he can fly fast and he's like like literally falling like literally a slow. He could have walked down the stairs fast. <laughs> he's like going a millimeter a second while he's having the argument with the kid. I don't I don't get that at all. I'll tell you what I did really like. I, I'll be positive for a minute. The sort of like flashback reveal that his son, Black Adam's son, way back in ancient Kandak, was the real hero but gave up his life to save his father. I thought that was a really good scene. And it begs this question of, of Black Adam. Like, is this what you're really doing with your son's gift? Right? He gave you life after, you, right as you were about to die is this what you're going to do with his memory? Is this what you're going to do with his life force that's now in you? Good turning point. Again, not not in a great movie, but I did really like that scene. What I did not like was the like them having to oddly frame and then edit in The Rock's face on oh, that well, guy's that's body. Terrible. That was really bad. Really weird. Like we know what The Rock looks like. You're putting him on a skinny body. It does not look <laughs> 
Also, they could have just said, oh, yeah, that was me. And none of us would have been like, I don't know if it's you. I mean, We're not I, seeing I, your it face. you in the beginning. That's what they should have been doing with Young Rock the whole time. Just, <laughs> just plastering yeah. his face, face on, on his a child. A 14-year-old with the Rock's face. Yeah. I've never actually seen the Young Rock at all, so no, I can't speak I, I on agree. it. I think it is, I think it's Pierce Brosnan. I think it's Dr. Fate who says we don't need a white knight to him at some point. Is it him or or was it Adriana? One of them. They tell him we don't need a white knight, which again, it's like we just need somebody who can commit ultra violence. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, when they tell him to say the word, just say the word. I was thinking, this guy better say Susudio right now. <laughs> Susudio. Su Again, this is what I was thinking of during the theater. Uh, you know what? There's, Go ahead. You know what I think? I think this movie would have been great had they chopped it off at, after the second act with him getting locked up. And how would it would it have ended right there? Yes. And we go in for another movie? Yeah. Or that's just it? That that was it, and then they can still have like some kind of thing of like him. I don't know. No, I I, I just, agree. I thought it was gonna. I honestly thought that was gonna be the end, and then I realized there was a whole other act. Yeah, what I I I like the last act the best. There is a phrase here: the people don't need a hero; they need to be free. Are those two mutually exclusive? Can you not be free if you have a hero? I I didn't get that at all. I I was curious about that too. I, I don't know what that means. I guess it's kind of like a direct shot at Batman. Like, oh, look at this crime still going on. But if he's killing people, there's no crime. Yeah, they're which telling... is an odd condemnation of. It is. You know that we love that that Bonnie Tyler single. I need a hero, but I don't need to be free. I so I guess it could was kind of going to the point of like that part where the the undead what were those? I uh, the souls of the dead. I have no idea. That scene yeah. was ridiculous. It was. It just came out of nowhere. It lasted two seconds, but the undead are through the city, and it's like, oh, this is the people's moment to rise up and take back Kandak, which is fine. But there were already imperialists there. Why are the people not rising against the imperialists? That's. I thought that weird too. That the entire movie shifted villains in in the final act. That was like twenty minutes. Like, it was all set up with Inner Gang, which is the stupidest goddamn name imaginable for an organization. Inter Gang. But anyway, that was the villain. And then you just sweep them aside, and you're like, now it's the undead. And it's like, what? Why are they rising up against the undead? Keep the, the people that were there occupying them as the villain. I I, I don't know. It this was... was This was the most egregious point of slow motion in this movie. When he's like, hey, mom, and like he rolls in and it's slow motion to show the crowd behind him. Why? We we would have seen that in regular motion. <laughs> seen the people behind him. Like I always say with slow motion, as though walking isn't slow enough, we have to slow it down. Yeah, I like where did the where did inner gang go? They just like just unless Black Adam beat him up already? Once once the Bach came. They're just like, okay, well, we're good. He's got this city now. We're, we're done. Yeah, I don't get it. And then Black Adam smashes the throne in the end because the people don't need to be ruled. I mean, they do need... I don't, that, that was interesting. I don't know what Kondok's future is going to look like. Um, also, I'm a little over... And I'm not saying that this can't be done. I'm a little over, like... Oh, this is the most advanced society that has ever existed as a yeah. setting. Do you know what I mean? Is it advanced? Oh, because they have Nth Metal. No, not. Did they mention Nth Metal? I think they did briefly. I don't know if they did. But they're I, using I... the other one, Eternium or whatever. Mm. Oh, yeah. So that's just a blatant steal of the Wakanda using Vibranium. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just being a whiner at this point, so, I don't, know. so I, don't mind me. I felt the whole smashing the throne thing was a little soon. I feel like we already got that, like, a few years ago. 
Yeah, I also just don't know what the form of government is in in Kandak, so I'm I'm curious as to what's going to happen uh, for the civilians in the future now. Um, can I move on to the post credit scene now? I was just about to do it, so do it. Okay, so we get the post credit scene, which is what I think they just hyped up the entire movie to do, which is to reveal that Henry Cavill is back as Superman. Ooh, exciting! Wasn't Man of Steel so awesome? It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so we get that scene, and this is, like you said, Matt, it really um, hammers in that Amanda Waller is like a Nick Fury type. Why is Superman on the orders of Amanda Waller? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Why is he acting on her behalf? Maybe she like, Maybe she changed her... Maybe she turned... Uh... Maybe she changed her attitude after she got knocked out in The Suicide Squad. Although she didn't because Peacemaker comes out after that. Well, that's what I'm... <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to go through a timeline of events here. So I think she was introduced in the first Suicide Squad, I believe. That was her first appearance. Which shows her as a shadowy... Like, like the head of a shadowy government organization that's clearly breaking many laws in order to like be a united states superpower i don't know what the reasoning in the, is in the dceu and then we get her we get batman coming in and being like well bruce wayne being like hey cease your activities like stop what you're doing and then we get her in suicide squad again the next one and then peacemaker and both of them she's shown as a terrible person who's breaking multiple laws in order to like be a shadowy government head. And then she comes in on this one, and now she's all of a sudden, like, leading, like, superheroes? Like, you introduced her with Batman, like, talking down to her, like, you gotta stop what you're doing, and now she's giving orders to Superman? It doesn't make any sense. I'm so confused by her role. She's just a complicated person, man. You gotta, you gotta be able to deal with people's complicated... I don't know. You raise a lot of good points. I really don't know... I just, Frank, my preoccupation during that scene was somebody had brought a laser pointer into the theater. I know. Now, normally, normally, 99% of the time, I am livid, livid at bad movie theater behavior. But when Henry Cavill came on the screen and after a second, somebody like went with a laser pointer on his face, I thought that was hilarious. And I laughed. Also, Somebody like, oh my God. was either was either stomping or like completely fell down the stairs. Someone at one absolutely point. fell down the stairs in the middle of this. Movie. No, no, I think they were jumping like down flights. I, what? what are they, there were there were multiple thuds. It was like boom, yeah. boom, and I saw that he was like leaping. I'm like, what? Yeah, he was like, I, I'd like to think he fell down the stairs. I like to think he fell down the stairs. That's really nice. <laughs> it makes it more hilarious. Heroes. He was fine. He got up and walked off. So. Heroes don't hope that people fell down the stairs. Yeah. Heroes that was all a bit. People. So at the end, there was actually a post credit scene that we didn't stay for where Dwayne the Rock Johnson is just arms crossed staring at the screen. He's like, you thought that man fell down the stairs and you hoped he did, didn't you? <laughs> That's not why heroes do. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm, I'm not watching this movie again. We were talking about it before the show. It is a perfect Sunday afternoon TNT movie. And it also just has the aesthetic for it. It's the perfect <laughs> aesthetic for that kind of like droll. It's sunny out, but you have your shades closed and you're watching TNT. So any final thoughts on Black Adam? It was fine. I, that's That's my review. It was fine. So my final thoughts are, I was just looking at the cast list after the movie, and I found out that the kid and Sarah Shahi's character are both superheroes in DC Comics, so I can't wait to see them become superheroes in the DCEU. That's going to be exciting. Give them their own movies, each of them. Yeah, I can't wait till they both have their own movies. That should have been the post credit scene, is the kid in the middle of the staircase going one millimeter down per second, going, wee. 
That's my final thoughts on Black Adam. Thank you for listening for sticking with us. If you want to contact us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. You can write to us at SilverScreensaversPod at gmail.com. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. And I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll see you next time. To quote the end of this movie, Teth Adams, a little uh, old school, so I'm going to go with something new. Stay down to bone. <laughs> Look, even a bad plan is better than no plan. Just remember that. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.